and welcome to the Culture Cave. I'm Anthony, and that's Conrad. Hello! <laughs> well, Conrad, pretty sure I said it different than I did last week, but we'll go with it anyway. Conrad, how are you this week? I'm very well, thank you. I'm full of beans uh, and energy. Chili um, for tea? Chili for tea tonight? <laughs> uh, no, it's leftover pizza, actually, for, for tea for tea. Beans tonight, on pizza? Yeah, <laughs> listen, I, I'm a man of certain tastes. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, I, I've never eaten beans on a pizza. Um, I would, I would never do that to myself. I have some self-respect. Fair enough. Well, you know who doesn't have self-respect? Go on. Me, me. Apparently. So the comments have been at us again, Conrad, this week. Uh, what have now, they said? I want to say, I want to stick up for us here because the first episode we put out about the breakdown for episode one back a couple of weeks ago, we said like we were calling the character of Ang Angel. We were we were calling them Angel, okay. Now someone okay. came someone came at us in the comments in that first week saying that we were pronouncing it wrong and it should be pronounced Angel. Now you know that's a cell phone. That person's watching the dub. Well, that's just, that's that's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. I mean, like you know, I may not I'm not Spanish, but I know it's not pronounced like that. We were trying to be a bit more cultured than cultured than that. We were trying yeah. to actually toe the line. We were trying to say Angel because we, we didn't want to be like you know we we didn't want to be offensive. We didn't know what where the line was. Now people in the comments have told us that we should be saying Angel. Um, I'm or I, I can't even pronounce it, so I'm just going to say this here. We're saying <laughs> Angel. You know, if that comment from the first episode had their way, we'd be saying angel. So bet your bet your lucky stars that we're yeah. that we're not saying that. We're trying, all right. We're we're sitting here trying. This was all I can say. Yeah, and there was I've, a, I've, uh, I've, a striker for Aston Villa called Juan Pablo Angel. And uh, that's right. Actually, yeah. if you've got an issue with our pronunciation of Angel, you take it up with Colombia and that man. All right, okay. <laughs> take it up with every football commentator that should have been saying Angel, but they're saying yeah. Juan Pablo Angel. We got it from there. We're going to continue it. Sorry about that. Uh, we have taken advice on lots of other things. Like I used to call Ike Eek. I don't know why. I, I really, really don't know why. <laughs> that was a real moment of uh, stupidity for me. But anyway, every week, Conrad, we start with you going through your pre-thoughts for the episode after waiting a week or a few days since watching the last. Well, Conrad, take it away. Hello, Conrad here, ready to dive into episode three of 1899, figuratively, of course, perhaps literally, we'll see. We've had one person in the ocean thus far, jumping in, uh, or getting out, I guess, in Daniel's case. So, um, I'll just bang my desk, hopefully that doesn't show up in the recording. Um, What do I think is going to happen in episode three? So, I think there seems like there's a mutiny brewing against Ike. And I'm gonna say it's probably gonna happen in this episode. That seems that seems likely given the dispositions of the crew and passengers. I think there's aside from the mutiny, there's gonna be like more forces uh, gathering to prevent Ike from taking uh, the Kerberos and the Prometheus uh, back to Europe because I think someone is maybe in control of this whole situation um, in a way that hasn't been explained yet. Uh, more Jerome and Oleg, maybe? I'm going to keep saying that until it's true. At some point it will be. Um, and uh, in the tradition of these creators, I'm going to say we're going to get some more deaths. Maybe from Daniel, maybe from someone else. But there's there's death is never far away when these lot are involved. So uh, yeah, looking forward to the episode and I will catch up with you in like an hour's time. Hey you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Do you like 1899? Well, as well as these breakdown videos, we also do theories, unanswered questions, and plenty more. Subscribe so you don't miss it. The episode opens 
with how all good episodes open with a main character stuck in a box so Ling Yi is trapped yeah. in a box in the water and is is descending down into into the sea what did you take from this when you first saw it yeah so I mean it's a dream it's obviously a dream like <laughs> like we like, they tend to open these shows with someone sleeping uh, or, or dreaming um, and uh, and waking from it or well that's mm-hmm. that's how the first three episodes have started nightmare a nightmare, indeed, uh, and this is no different. So, I, there's going to be something that I'm going to revisit throughout. I assume throughout this series, or I guess throughout this entire series. But this episode, it really kind of drove it home for me. What I really like about what 1899 is doing, and that is the way that it, and and Dark did it as well. Um, but it's the way that it balances character development against like the themes of the show. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> here we see Ling Yi like sinking deeper into the abyss of the ocean, yep. and it's clearly you know a metaphor for her situation because she's she is like being trafficked into prostitution. Well, we find out in this episode she's mm-hmm, being trafficked mm-hmm. into prostitution in America, but it also serves the themes of the show because lots of people are sort of descending deeper into. Yeah. dark places of their minds and it, and it, it's it's a, a visual or a, yeah i guess it's a visual metaphor that very much is in line with ike going down his little tunnel shaft. in the his last shaft. episode ike going his down shaft. his shaft yeah yeah exactly um so and it's just such a such a great balance that they're striking at the moment and this is a, another great example of it brilliant i love the analysis conrad uh, from your very witty uh complex mind we'll go into my i'm gonna bring the tone down a bit here <laughs> I'm gonna Go so basically Ling Yi gets her little rose from Titanic moment coming down the stairs, right? Uh, wearing shoes a lot harder to uh, harder to wear than uh, than Rose, I will say. And in that yeah, if moment, Rose was wearing those. She'd have gone over the edge of the Titanic. I'll tell you yeah. that much for nothing. <laughs> yeah, definitely, uh, especially when she was spitting. But I'll say about about Ling Yi, uh, her coming down there reminded me of that that part of the story. And then I thought of like you know Lucian. He's the weeaboo from last week. Loves a Japanese woman, and yeah. he he. I was thinking he may be the jack in this situation, and then Conrad, I thought mm. to myself, I was, I, I, I didn't want to think about this, but I was transported to an image of Lucian uh, drawing Ling Yi and Ling Yi mm. saying, "Draw me like one of your manga girls." <laughs> nice. Draw me like your hentai. That's what that's. No, what no, 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 no. I wouldn't go there, Conrad. <laughs> You've taken it down another step there, which I didn't. What, you, want what to even do. is hentai? I don't know these things. I'm like. <laughs> To be honest with you, it really should have been uh, Angel uh, drawing because he he's a great drawer, and we'll get into that later. Oh, what but, an artist! Yeah, yeah, but I but I can't I just can't stop thinking about Lucina as a weirdo. I'm sorry, guys. I really just I really just can't. Anyway, so we've got that. We've got um, so when she wakes up, did you notice who said wake up to her? It was Mora again, right? It was Mora again. Yeah. So yeah, I've got some thoughts. I don't want to put that. I listen. I. You don't want to heavy it at the top. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of like bucking. I'm bucking at the reins here because, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I watched this episode and I was like, I've got some theories, and I'm, I'm sitting here like fit to burst with them. Yeah. Um, and okay. the Mora stuff and the Dream stuff is all going to play into it, but I'm not going to go into it now. I'm waiting until it's apropos of yeah. what we're discussing in the episode. But my God, is this the episode where a lot of stuff either fell beautifully into place or if I'm wrong, fell so hilariously out of place <laughs> that it's going to be entertaining either way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so fantastic. Well, then on to Mrs. Wilson then. Um, yeah. 
so Mrs. Wilson is talking to uh, <coughs> Yukja and Ling Yi. We find out that Yukja mm. is actually Ling Yi's mother here. We think we we didn't have confirmation of that before, but I think you sort of were thinking that it probably is some sort of connection. Um, yeah. So talking about like the idea of like the ship's been turned around, and then Mrs. Wilson says, "With every calamity comes opportunity," um, mm. and then uh, basically says that. Um, I don't know. Could we just? Should we just? I know you don't want to talk about your main theories, but can we talk about the fact that you did get something right here? <laughs> oh, what about having a human trafficker? Yeah, yeah. I, that was. I, did I even write that down as a theory? Actually? You didn't. I tried to get you to do last week. I actually no, said, "Have I you written d- that down?" And you didn't write it down. But awesome. that, that, like, yeah. you've got it. Like, you've like. Let's be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, like, it started as a joke. You know, yeah. many many a true thing is said in jest, as evidenced here, because it, it turned out it was actually absolutely correct. And. um I did say in the first episode, I'm going to keep an eye on Mrs. Wilson because she seemed like there might be more than meets the eye with her. Um, And we see some pretty horrific stuff from that character in this episode. Um, I love, like, we're not there yet, but I do love uh, a very brief scene. Actually, does it come during the montage? No, I don't think it does. But there's a very brief uh, scene later in the episode where we see her kind of undressed and smoking. And it really gives you the sense of, like who she actually is as a person and it's yeah she's she's playing a character yeah yeah, yeah. Mm, she's one of the worst people on this ship at the moment i think of course the, the, and there's a rogues gallery forming already and she's the worst one i think yeah yeah no i would agree and i think as well when you th- at the very beginning like the way she's now obviously i don't know how the show ends or in like that also i don't want to give away anything from the rest of the season but the way that she uh, in that first scene in the first episode was like, you know, everyone was drinking tea at the same time as her and stuff, and she was talking mm-hmm. as if she knew everything, everyone's business on the boat. It sort of implied that she might know a little bit more of what's going on in the big questions, but then we sort of get a reveal in this episode that she, you know, she actually was hiding something quite, you know, like, surface level, I suppose, in terms of the story yeah. of the show, you know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting, do you think there's a <coughs> Do you think she's also going to be heavily involved or know more about the overall mysteries? Or is it just, do you think that's her deal now? I am not sure yet. I, I think there definitely are people on this ship who are aware of what is going on and are actively participating in it. I don't know if she's one of them, that the purely because the only time that we've seen any evidence of it is that tea drinking moment. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that is something rather than her being the cause of that is something that someone else is kind of enforcing upon her um but having said that it wouldn't surprise me at all if she did turn out to be complicit in what is what i think is going on here lovely conrad that fence feel nice under that that tush of yours <laughs> anyway so uh i'm to... only sitting here because i'm getting ready to jump off like i'm getting, I'm, warming, I'm, I'm warming up warming up on the fence so okay so the, the episode's called the fog i wonder why and then we also mm. have uh cresta is like looking for ada through the through the cage um yes not, so a little, little tiny bit there. Of course, we know why he's looking for her, because she is missing. Uh, we have the autopsy scene with Dr. Murray. Um, the yeah, legend, that, legend that is. Basically mansplaining away to, uh, to Mora there. Yeah. Say, also, I love, the, I love the, the thing him saying, obviously the idea of like looking down on the lower class, because obviously this guy's a worthless piece of crap. But he's yeah. saying that like God would want this little girl dead. And then yeah, he like, all- fi- he's like filtering out the bad seeds. Like this is like a seven year old girl. Like <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, and but also what's what's hilarious to me is is that 
he, he mentions Charles Darwin, right? And says natural yeah. selection, and that's God's way of filtering out the bad seeds. So he's buying into Darwin, but then he's also saying, you know, you know, God, God did it. You know, God. Yeah, did it, it, like he, clearly he hasn't actually read. Um, oh fuck, I can't remember what Charles Darwin's famous book is called. No, I'm not going to remember it. I was going to try and guess, but I can't remember. Put it in the comments if you remember. Um, Evolution, a history, I think. Yeah, I sure. I don't. But I'll, I'll, like, we'll say that's true. But um, yeah, so we the the one interesting thing I took from this is that obviously uh, this doctor is a bit shit. So maybe he's just wrong. But he does rule Ada's death as looking like natural causes because there's no signs of violence or, or um, or, or any 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 kind of um, you know, or that she had anything inflicted upon her. We know that that probably isn't the case because there was that like weird kind of electronic sound um, as we focus on her face while Daniel mm. was doing whatever Daniel was doing, almost as if Daniel possesses some means of doing something to people in this place which mm. i'll come back to you maybe a little bit later um and, and who knows you know the idea of someone having the means to do something to someone else geez that's a mystery conrad no one else on this ship could do anything to anyone else yeah. ever what, like, how vague like, do we want to be here when, when we when we i don't want to give too much away we've got to keep them listening <laughs> okay, Although, okay. When, we, when we actually get to the theory i'll be like i think daniel has a gun he has some way of doing something to someone else. that something yeah. might be a piece of lead in the heart we don't know that yet <laughs> Doc, dr murray couldn't see it it's an ice bullet um okay <laughs> all right okay well that's that's fantastic conrad i, I love it i love it um I, I like okay so um now i'll say here the fog uh, is again they decide to stop the boat um yeah and probably wait, wisely and, yeah ike, ike says like well let's stop the boat we'll stay in position till till it <coughs> clears till it clears up a bit um the crew is definitely like last week you were talking about like mutiny rising i think by mm. the end of this episode we sort of see that that come to fruition but still at this point in the episode it is sort of brewing but you said it's probably the right decision for the fog to stay yeah, like I mean, you know, mutiny is fermenting here, but I think you know, Massage Adam Driver points out that the fog has just like suddenly obscured their view, um, mm-hmm. and reminds us uh, of the compass suddenly becoming fucked in the last episode, almost as if something is resisting Ike's will to take the ship back to Europe. Um, yes, yeah, and that's a fact that is uh, echoed by um, Daniel later on as well. Yes, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, if you didn't see the mutiny coming by this point in this series, I don't know what to tell you. Because like Franz is, <laughs> Franz is like openly speaking against the captain by like the beginning of this episode. It's it's, yeah. it's a matter of time at this point. I actually think when he, whenever he was like in the background of the scene at the very beginning, I think like I could hear him just humming. Do you hear the people sing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where's Jerome? He's gonna go yeah. get him. Like he'll he'll wave a tree killer. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um okay so uh we have then the reveal of the ribbon from ike to mora uh, yes. and says i found this on the prometheus it was belonged to my daughter i don't know what's going on anymore they died two years ago now again you mentioned last week that it's funny that he just talks about nina and he actually mm. mentions it again he says my daughter and then he says and the rest of my family yeah <laughs> i know like i mean maybe he's just a bad dad i don't know like but it's <laughs> 
it's probably one of those situations where if I could listen back to the way he talks about his family, he'd be like, he'd realise how problematic the way he talks about his other two daughters is. Like, <laughs> you haven't even named them, Ike. Like, they died as well. But yeah, uh, yeah. it's literally I... demons. Demons being created in front of our eyes. Well, they're not really. They're already dead. You know. But yeah. Like so. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a very there's a very interesting piece of dialogue here from Mora that I think is. Mm-hmm. going to be something that we'll probably return to throughout these breakdowns of this show which is um, he he says to her can we see things that aren't there and still believe they're real and Mora says the brain isn't entirely reliable everything we see and feel and hear are the results of electrical impulses and sometimes we misinterpret those impulses yeah. now that is true but it also within that is couched this acknowledgement that an electrical impulse in your brain, whether something sent from within your brain or potentially outside your brain, can make you seize an experience and hear certain mm. things, which I think is the clearest indication yet we've had of what I think is going on. Um, going which on you've alluded to multiple times in the last couple of episodes. <clears throat> um, yes. Just to reiterate uh, to anyone who randomly is listening to this episode first, Conrad was sort of thinking that it might be like everyone's in you know it's like sort of a, an analyzing a dream or something what did you what was it you said like there was like an experiment so, i have kind of changed it a little bit in this episode but like okay. going back to the first episode i think it was like yeah there's like some kind of invasive memory process by her father that she's being subjected to um and that yeah everyone's kind of in like or not everyone but a lot of the people on this ship are part of this same mm. process some of that i'm still holding to but I've I've kind of reformed that idea into something a little bit more specific okay. in this episode. Excellent, excellent. Okay, so the lower decks are worrying about Ada. We'll come back to that in a minute. Mrs. Wilson. Uh, now, this is the, mm-hmm. I don't really want to focus too much on this. This, uh, this is a rough scene. <laughs> like, yeah. This so was Ms. not Mrs. a good one. Basically, I'll outline it, and then we can talk about what we want from it. I don't want to focus on it too much. But Mrs. Wilson inspects Ling Yi, uh, yeah. you know, down there, and s- f- finds out that uh, Ling Yi is actually a virgin, and then sa- basically says that, considering that she's meant to be one of her best girls, that's very surprising. Mm. Um, and then she says, I don't like to be deceived, but I love to be surprised. So um, then she yeah. says, I hope you know what this job was uh when, I think she said something like when you took the place of the other girl or something like that. Um, yeah. So what I want to point out, first of all, before we break down the scene is, Lingy doesn't understand a word this woman says. No. no <laughs> she, just, she, just, she just gets from her that, you know, she knows she's not who she's meant to be, you know? <clears throat> yeah, there's like, there's very little... Like, yeah, uh, she she understands enough to, to submit to the in, inspection, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't... I don't think... Well, she probably tells from the way that Mrs. Wilson is behaving. She knows that she's been rumbled. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, Mrs. Wilson here reveals that... I wonder how long she's known. Maybe she's kind of always known, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Or certainly always had suspicions. And the fact that she's realised that she's been deceived into you know bringing someone who is not a prostitute um, to uh, America and she's still going to sell her to people on the uh, on the ship is pretty monstrous yeah 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 she's just you know make hay while the sun shines it's kind of her horrendous um, <laughs> yes sure 
Yeah, that's 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 exactly basically what she says. Like when calamity comes around, you know. I yeah, know actually that's, that's the that's the opposite. She's basically saying make hay while the it's raining is what she's saying. When um, life gives you lemonade, sell lemons. a virgin to a Frenchman. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what she's saying. Yeah, completely. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, Ike and Mora uh, decide to go back to the Kerberos. Uh, they alight. Yes. Uh, no, sorry, back to the Prometheus. <clears throat> they they alight the Kerberos. Um, Franz isn't happy about this. No. Um, so, but then, uh, sort of basically gives uh, Sebastian a wee look. Sebastian then, after Franz has gone, goes over and uses a key to open a little box. Inside is a little triangle, uh, what I would call, I don't know what you would call it, buttons just, um, mm. you know, connected up with wires and inputs uh, sort of triangles from a, from a little bit of paper that we've sort of... <coughs> seen this code before in the last episode um so, yes okay so first of all ike and mora leave to go back to the prometheus do you think it's a good plan uh i mean it's fine but i mean they're 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 operating as as are most of the people in this episode they're operating on a level that they don't really seem to understand the the complexities of the situation in which they find themselves i think mm-hmm. um which is understandable you know why would they um ike's man management here and this is going back to what i said at the beginning of the episode again like the the inter-character stuff is so mm-hmm. good and it works so well in service of the the kind of meta narrative that's happening that most of the characters aren't even aware of and this yeah. is an example of it here so ike's man management here he could say something to france he could be like listen <laughs> i know that you're frustrated like put an arm around the shoulder but he doesn't do it and it just like you know ferments this this uh this feeling that's already there of of unrest and um yeah, 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 yeah. so okay right i'm gonna i'm gonna get into most of not most i'm gonna get into part of my like theory here because okay because this of the, is the little triangle buttons, you mean? <clears throat> yeah, so this is the moment where I really started putting things together. So I, I was coming into this episode being like, this is some kind of like dream, or that like these people are being stimulated to experience certain things, because we've had, in the last three episodes, you've had like these weird like electronic noises, it happens in this episode as well, um, when people suddenly shift into a different kind of plane of reality or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, they, they start experiencing a memory or something like that. And I interpreted all of this so far as taking place within the framing device of Mora in that um the like sanitarium or whatever um where we saw her dad until Anton Lasset in the first episode but having seen the the three episodes now that all kind of start in a similar way with a character waking up from a dream where they are remembering something traumatic that has happened to them Mm -hmm. so this was the point where I was like, okay, no, that stuff with Anton Lesser isn't the framing device for this entire narrative. It's pointing us at something that is happening to all of these people. That's something that has already happened to Mora, I think. And um, like Ike's family burning and, and Lingyi being trapped in the box and drowning or partially drowning. Um, so when Conor McGregor goes and opens his little cabinet his, yeah. and... And, and like types in the command that he received via telephone and that looks to me like machine code because it's a series of basically one or like a, a gate is open or shut it's one or zero inputs mm. in that so i've kind of i kind of dabble with the idea of like binary appearing in this show in the first episode turned out to be wrong because it's like the room numbers and stuff but I'm back on it again, and when and the fact that when he started tight, like he he input a command, and that seems to be the mo- the moment that like the idea of like mutiny 
kind of really set like the the mutiny on the ship happens from that point on mm. so i think a those commands he put in that he was he was issued are what sets off the mutiny and b this entire thing like everything that we are seeing on the kerberos and the prometheus is actually some kind of computer simulation is my is my my thinking um, I think the Anton Lesser stuff is being simulated. Maybe even the shot we see at the end of the second episode with like the the kind of <clears throat> like 60s, 70s looking monitors and everything like that. Because even that, it, obviously it's more futuristic than the stuff in 1899. But that, to me, still doesn't look quite futuristic enough to uh, be taking place in the kind of world where a, a simulation of this complexity um, is, is, is happening. And... Yeah, I mean, like, they they didn't even have Pong yet. (laughs) Exactly. Like, they've got... I mean, I suppose you'd have, like, the the, the machine to crack, like, the Enigma machine. So, like, basic computers did exist. Um, But I think... I think they're trying to throw us off the scent here by showing, like, these kind of rudimentary computers in this episode, which we'll get into as we go through the episode. But, um, but yeah, so following on from that, everything that's happening here, I think, is a computer simulation. And there's some stuff in this episode that made me, like, 100% certain that that was the case. And there are certain individuals, so this is a separate theory, within the simulation um, that are either programs running within it or are otherwise able to control the situation through inputs like the one we've just seen and like we see Daniel input later in the episode. Interesting. Very. So I think, uh, interesting. There's people on this drop, boat who but... aren't real. That, that's my. That's my. Like, there's people who are like the mm-hmm. in in the Matrix who are just programs running to to do certain things. Like Agent Smith. Kind of like Agent Smith. Yeah. Is there an Oracle? I well, I, I don't know if there's an Oracle, but what we'll get to, when they start talking about Henry Singleton, we'll come back to that. Okay, okay, fair enough. Um, right, okay, so, geez, okay, I thought we were going to have to wait longer for that, guys. So there we go, big drop of a theory there. Um, yeah. Loving, loving, loving that. Okay, excellent. <laughs> um, let's let's move on without saying too much. So the boy picks up uh, his... Oh, I will say, just if you want to comment and, and like ask for Comrade to tease anything out of there, I can sort of try and slip in some questions next week. I don't want to do too much. I'll tease sometimes, but obviously he's just given us about five minutes of a monologue there on a theory. There's not too <laughs> yeah. much to tease. To You've heard enough for now. I'm, I am looking forward to hearing later in the episode, um, you know, what little things made you think you were 100% right. That's what, you know, because yeah. that, that's that's building the card tower for it to all fall later. I love it. Yeah. I love it. We've got a lot. It's not just a card tower. It's like a full, like, castle of cards I've yeah. made. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. A slight breeze wait. will blow that whole thing up wide open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, so the boy uh, picks mm. up his pyramid and climbs underneath the bed. Yeah, wonder why he's doing that. Almost as if Mora has a tunnel under her bed, too. Yeah, okay, so obviously, because I think we actually we even hear a little bit of, like, I, I can't yeah. remember exactly the noise, but there's something, like, that would imply he's going in a hole, um, yeah. like, you know, into the door. I want to say, I want to tell you this, Conrad. Now, people on this channel think that, I, you know, you know, I'm, I'm just as good at you as figuring things out. No, I, I'm not as good as Conrad. When I was watching this, I actually initially thought, I actually did initially think, oh, he's just going under the bed, uh, which is hilarious <laughs> because we'd already seen... We'd already seen these uh, these hatches under beds, which I don't know what I don't know what I was thinking. Um, I mean, I thought uh, Henry was Mora's brother for the whole of the first episode. So, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Okay, all right, we'll leave it there. Um, boat scene. So uh, Mora mm. and Ike are sort of going across. Um, 
Ike says it was kind of her to take the boy in. Then asks if she have any children children of her own. She mentions that she had a miscarriage, um, yeah. but, she, but after complications, she can't have any children anymore. Um, Ike says, "Why are you afraid to go home?" She says, "I lost everything." Which you know, having just heard about the miscarriage and stuff, you can understand that. Yeah, I, I do wonder whether there's more to that than what we know, but um, but again, you know, again, this is just like really good character development between these two yeah. that. Uh, you know further further like or gives us further evidence that these two are our main characters as as far as there are main characters in these kind of shows but how does this like character sort of building and character drama affect your brain now and, and your heart conrad now that you have a theory that this is all just a simulation <laughs> well i mean it's not necessarily i wonder if it's pulling from their experiences or maybe it is all just completely it is all just completely fake and either way is kind of monstrous to be honest like if the, if these are a mixture of humans who are have been submerged in a simulation with programs running to stimulate certain events <clears throat> within the simulation then making them experience these things and these mm. these the, the, these particularly you know traumatic events like going through multiple miscarriages is is pretty monstrous um and if it is an experience they had in real life that is being pulled into the simulation that's almost equally monstrous so i don't think in a weird way my theory doesn't actually invalidate a lot of what's going on here because it's either it's either a horrible thing that they're being forced to experience or it's a thing that they did actually experience that is being plumbed for whatever ends the simulation it serves uh, and Fair and enough. both are both are just as bad as each other really Okay, very interesting. Um, all right, so we got uh, Ling Yi and Yukja uh, together here. Yep. Ling Yi is not happy with the way Yukja has uh, treated her in some sort of way. Uh, well, Yukja is basically asking, like, you don't go, you got what you want, aren't you happy? Uh, Ling Yi says, no, I'm not happy. And then they, she mentions that she accidentally killed somebody. Yes. Um, and then she runs away and hides in a crate. <clears throat> yeah so so her like we do find out from this conversation one of my theories was wrong i think i'd, I'd posited that the or oh, i hadn't actually written it down as a theory but maybe we'll come back to it when we do the scoring but that i was like skeptical that this was like a real journey the ship would have taken because the crew was so like oh it's a passenger list rather not crew was uh was so like multicultural like, it seemed unlikely mm-hmm. to me that someone from china posing as a japanese geisha would appear on a ship to england and then uh, sailing to new york or um but it does appear to be the case here so her mother kind of got her out of um got her out of uh wherever they were somewhere somewhere in southern china presumably um well actually but, yeah like her mother kind of, but it sort of implied that her mother actually was a tag along after she had accidentally killed may may you know well so Yes, that's true. But but so it's it says like she kind of Lingyi kind of complains that she had to hide mm. from men um, on the ship from from like Hong Kong or somewhere somewhere. Listen, in the, I'm uh, not saying Yukja's an angel here or, yeah. an, or an angel here, right? Yes, no, she's definitely not an angel. Like I think we can all we can all agree <laughs> on that. Um, but but either way, Lingyi is very like for someone who is being potentially sold into prostitution she seems very defiant about mm-hmm. and like angry at her mother for um putting her in situations where she had to hide from men and then she runs off yeah. and goes and hides in uh, a box above decks we get the electronic sound as she climbs into the box and then suddenly as you said she, we have a flashback to the memory of her accidentally killing Mei Mei and taking her place um i'm convinced 
so this is like adding to that simulation theory it's actually a separate theory but it compounds it i think that that electronic sound is the cue to tell that the simulator to tell us that the simulation is like simulating a memory or experience for the individual in question some kind of like electric impulse like maura was talking about um earlier and um and yeah then she she re- recollects that drowning in the box um and is rescued by oleg which is nice complete with another electric sound to bring her back yeah okay cool i, I will say as well i really love that that, that scene whenever basically she was watching it all from the crate and she was like in the place of Maymay's corpse I thought it was a really horrific way to show someone a flashback of their of their own uh, their own sort of memory you know I thought oh I didn't even catch that she was in place of Maymay's corpse that's that's what I just assume it is because she was in the crate while uh, the, there was, you know, she, her mom Yukcha was saying like we have to throw it overboard, and yeah. then they threw it overboard. So she's basically in the place of Maymay's corpse. Yeah, in that that's, thing. That, that definitely checks out. But yeah, that's that's uh, a very grim way of depicting that, but but definitely like tonally tonally consistent. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And as you say, uh, Oleg to the rescue gives a jacket. It's dirty, but it's warm. He seems um, like a decent guy. I like Oleg. Like uh, I'm, I'm I'm hoping nothing bad happens to him. <laughs> Real salt of the earth, you know, real yeah. salt, of, salt of the earth, you know, Brexit type. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'm only joking. I'll look a great love. Um, <laughs> but anyway, do you, uh, sorry, I've got it written here. Do you hear the people sing? It's, 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 it's swelling. This, this, it uh, is. Th- yeah. this is swelling. You can hear Enjolras from uh, Les Miserables throughout the boat at this point. Yeah. Uh, the bo- there is uh, some ch- chat from uh, the lower decks saying that the boy is cursed. We never should have brought him aboard this ship. Yeah. Um, and uh, Franz is rallying the crowd. Yeah, so uh, Franz's behaviour here is quite interesting as well, as someone who seems to have quite a lot of uh, focus put on him, because he tells Tove about Ada, which is kind of like what lights the fuse of mutiny before taking her to the body. Mm-hmm. But it's quite hard for me to tell whether he's doing this out of a genuine compulsion, compulsion to give Ada's family some closure or because he wants to incite them to violence. And I, th- I think it's po- possible that it's a bit of both. But the way the character is played, um, it does feel like he ha- he does have like a moral compass, I think, which makes him makes him quite an interesting character. Like he's not... I don't think this is purely opportunistic. Yeah, like I... Um, you know, Ema and I, when we were watching it, we were basically like always laughed. Anytime Franz did something that we, we thought was dead on, um, you know, translate that to the international audience that we thought was made him a good guy. Yeah. Uh, we, we looked at each other and we're just like, Baron and Yoncha had to give him a likable role in this show yeah. because, like, because they, like, they could have completely ruined his career with his role in uh, Dark. They had to give him something that made him a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. give him some redeeming qualities. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, yeah, so um, obviously Tova then takes the body down. Um, while uh, she's taking the body down, we get... Now we're not dwelling this a bit, uh, you know. Too, like, let's keep it PG around here. Well, let's keep PG. Um, but basically, there's a bit of the power of the dog going on again here. A- a- Angel and Cresta through the bars of of the of the uh, lower decks. They they get it on, Conrad. Yeah. So, I, I was gonna say get it on. It's so I, I, talking about characters who are really interestingly characterized. Like Angel seems infatuated. Mm. with Crass's scar as if like the kind of the physical damage is attractive to him because he can't because he can't show how damaged he is mm. and it's like and what i really like about the writing of this show is that a worse written show would simply dwell, would simply let that be the characterization they wouldn't comment on it they'd yeah, be like yeah. oh he's a damaged guy and they, and it would mm-hmm. and that would be it but i think the way he's presented in this show 
kind of calls out that that's a very childish and patronizing kind of attraction like mm-hmm. that, that's not he doesn't actually care about craster as a person he's just kind of it, it's just he's just kind of like aroused by the damage that he's able to or that he is he doesn't have a choice in he has to wear mm-hmm. on his face which i find really interesting and then craster like he, he so he doesn't see craster as a person just his damage and then craster's feelings for angel seem very mixed still mm-hmm. like i can't tell i can't even tell if craster is like gay or bisexual <laughs> like he doesn't seem to find angel attractive but he engages with him physically but it's kind of like the way it's depicted is like quite forceful like he's yeah. taking the power back in the situation or something um mm-hmm. it, yeah it's a really it's a, it's a really like provocative well, it's not. It's not a full sex scene, but it's a really provocative scene between them, and I, I, I really like this relationship because it's co- it's complex in a way that's quite challenging. Yeah, no, I know. I agree with you in terms of the complexity of it. Like, it's hard to nail down the motives of either of them, and uh, you've also got Ramiro there as well as like the shadow yeah. in, in the situation. So, yeah. is it is it a love triangle? Is it a hate triangle? Is it a power triangle i don't know it's sort of maybe all three of them um definitely the power dynamic there as well uh as well as like the sort of the symbolism of the upper class and the lower class in terms of Mm. like passing things through the gate and everything to me to me it's actually i don't know it implies like a cd power dynamic there but at the same time you know i mean i I don't who knows there could be a legitimate thing that we'll just have to see how it goes on but at the minute it's interesting um okay so um on the prometheus we have um ike and mora looking for the logbook it's not there uh but they do notice (laughs) that there is another shaft in the captain's quarters of the prometheus yes so okay right so there's a few things to discuss here and i'll i'll deal i'll deal with them in order so um, she finds she she goes down into and well in fact I'll stop at the bit that you've just stopped at and we can like check whether you want to go any further. So she goes okay. down into the 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 shaft that's also in the in the um, captain's quarters on the Prometheus. Not a lot happens there, but then it does cut to Daniel. Well, it cuts between yeah. these two and Daniel and Boy. Yeah, we can um, talk about that. We can okay. talk about this this all in one big go, like yeah. Okay, so the boy. As she's doing this, the boy comes back from the shaft under Mora's bed, pyramid in hand, um, mm. and then notices the deployed beetle of <laughs> Daniel's um, crawling under the door into his hand, and then Daniel comes into the room. Now, before, I was kind of like, that's weird. I wonder what the deal with this with this beetle is. And then I started thinking about things in terms of a computer simulation or a computer program, mm. and I was like... Now, hold on a second. Daniel is exploiting a literal bug to get to places in the ship that he isn't supposed to go. And I was like, okay, so is Daniel like a program that is like exploiting bugs to get about the place and, and you know, causing some kind of disruption to the simulation? So that that's that's one thing that I was like... I, I, I like I had to pause it and I was like, oh my god, I fucking cracked it. Um, <laughs> and, like, and just take a second, and then um, we find out something that's maybe a little bit more of a deep cut. But like, so Ike is talking to Mora about how the three ships uh, for the shipping company were sold to a British investor called Henry Singleton. Mm-hmm. Now. There's a red herring here, I think, because they're talking about, oh, they were dry docked for three months. What were they doing to these ships? They were building all these things. And I was like, I don't give a shit about any of that, all right? That's all nonsense, whatever. (laughs) 
He's called Henry Singleton. A singleton is a class in in object-oriented programming that uh, basically enforces its own uniqueness. So a singleton is like a, a, is a type of class that that there can only it can only ever be instantiated once. And I don't think he's called Henry Singleton by accident. I think they've chosen that very specifically. So to me, I don't know if Henry Singleton is actually a person. I think it might he might manifest. I, I just want to tell the audience, sorry, just before you keep going here. Connor works in IT. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and therefore, this is maybe brilliant or maybe one of the biggest instances of taking your work home with you <laughs> that yeah. I've ever seen. This is yeah, th- this could badly backfire. Well, it could also expose how incompetent I am at my job to be honest because I'm not I'm not like a front-end developer. So, so like like you know, the the de- uh, design patterns aren't my my forte. But yes, yeah, so basically to put it in in like or try and put it in not layman's terms, I don't want to patronize people, but to put it in simple terms uh, like a class kind of wraps around the functionality of of bits of a program. A single and a singleton is basically like this class can only be instantiated once, which makes me think that he is sort of not an oracle figure, but if this is, I think this this naming is designed to evoke images of a being within this simulation who is in control of everything, who is at the top of everything, and I think Henry Singleton may not be a real person at all he may exist within this simulation as like you know a manifestation of that class but um i'd be surprised just, if, can you if explain to us what up. a class is sorry just just uh, if there's any so, like, people out there wanting to actually really deep delve deep into your theory here so okay well this is where i'm going to expose my own my own incompetencies at, okay, at, okay. Uh, sorry at sorry I'll, but, I'll, cu- I'll cut it out if i if i don't agree no okay so like on like on, a, on my basic understanding of it like in in like object-oriented programming you t- you have like you, you tend to have a lot of classes and objects and a class kind of like wraps around um uh, uh, sorry classes and methods and classes tend to like wrap around methods methods are the bits that do things so you say like like i don't know your class would be dog and your method um, and within that there'd be a class called tail and then you have a method within tail the class tail called wag like so okay, okay. Uh, like kind of think about it in those terms so in in this i think the the henry singleton class like sits above everything else and wraps around it so within the henry singleton class you've got like prometheus and you've got kerberos and within those classes you've got mora and ike and within those classes you've got like methods of go down shaft and all this kind of like but he but everything and is that is... what made you think that even the the sort of stuff that's, that everything we've seen is is within this simulation is what you're saying yeah like uh, as soon okay. as this this was really the moment where i was like fuck off like he- he's not called singleton for no reason like come on now <laughs> um so i was like everything everything here all the anton lesser stuff everything that we're seeing is all meaningless there's no well not meaningless because it's still really enjoyable and i still like the characters but i think there's there's a level to this narrative that we haven't even seen yet and we may i don't know if we'll see it by the end of this season to be honest because it it's potentially so complex i mean as well like what are the chances that this show like this is this is what makes me me think it's crazy if this is if this theory that you have is correct in in dark when we were watching it i'm a mathematician and therefore there was so much i could unpack about the idea of infinity and everything you know so there was so so much into physics the physics of it as well what are the chances they would make a show that now 
feeds into your area. <laughs> yeah, like feeds, <laughs> feeds into my area of semi expertise. I like if if it's a, I, I can't wait to see if this is right to be honest because I'll just be here. I'll be feasting. I'll be feasting on the on theories till twenty twenty five at this rate. Oh, that's unbelievable. Right. Okay. So that's cool. Um, big theories. Loving the big theories. Um, now I. I, like okay guys i do this with conrad sometimes where i do potentially try and lead him somewhere just to see where he goes it might not mean <laughs> it, it might not mean anything but I'm, when i first watched this i i did actually really think to myself like what's going on with the fact that they mentioned three ships because we know the prometheus mm-hmm. and the kerberos and they mentioned three ships uh were taken by henry singleton so that like when i was watching it i was immediately like trying to wreck my brain what is that third ship you know yeah, I mean, that's... To be honest, I hadn't even considered that. Um, yeah, that's why I wanted to bring it up, because you would have mentioned it if you had. Yeah, I, I wonder if... Well, at this point in the episode, I probably would have thought that it was... Like, these are like all of the ships are separate instances of the simulation. Um, and by the end of this episode, once we see the crew list, or passenger list, rather... Um, of the of the Prometheus, I think I'd probably have become pretty cemented in that belief for things that we see on that passenger list. Like the the each, I'm sure there is a third ship. I wonder if we'll ever get the name of it, but um, they all seem to be different instances of the same simulation potentially. Okay, okay, uh, awesome. Uh, I just want to mention as well, like Oleg takes Ling Yi next to. Um, the rowboat port. I don't know what to yeah. call this. I don't so know. It's, what lunch, this it's his lunch spot. It's where he and Jerome yeah. hung out, and then now he's taken Ling Yi there to. It's to where the, tri- the triangle buttons are as well. So I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's a lot going on in that little area. Um, leaves Ling Yi there. Fog comes in. We've already, to oh, be honest, so we've, good. We've already talked a lot about the May May Ling, Ling Yi stuff. Um, so mm. we don't really have to focus on this too much. It, we sort of just get confirmation <laughs> that she accidentally killed her, her friend because she wanted to steal her ticket to London to get on the boat to go yeah. to um, to go to America. Um, anything more to add there? Uh, in ter- have, we, have we covered most of it? Um, I mean, the electric sound again as she's thrust into a younger self, but we've kind of discussed that already. Um, mm. The the one like kind of character note I have for Ling Yi coming really out of this episode is. I'd like to know what it is that she's running from that means she needs to get to England so badly because she seems like really keen on leaving where she is even before she accidentally mm. kills Mei Mei. Um, whether it's just you know a we do know the, to... the, the circumstance of having to hide away from men while Yukja is on the boat with them. Yes, yeah. you know that 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 explanation maybe already she was trying to escape her life. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it might it might be as simple as she didn't have a very good life and she wanted to go like go somewhere for mm-hmm. a fresh start. Um, but that's that's certainly what I was considering about her character by the end of this episode. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, the lower class gather around Ada. Yes. Cresta has been. Uh, you're flashing there a couple of times. Sorry, guys. Uh, we'll just not worry about that. Um, <laughs> Cr- Cr- Cresta has been off with uh, Angel during the the search for Ada. Um, now this is a bit where I find really interesting, and this is actually something that I think is in also, is also in Irish culture. And that's mm. the idea that when um, someone dies, you open open a window to let their soul out. Um, yeah. And obviously here, they weren't able to open a window. So immediately, my theorizing brain's going, being like, oh my God, her soul didn't get out. Um, so what does, <laughs> yeah. what does that mean? You know what I mean? She's going nowhere. She's coming back. Um, 
I do like it's interesting as well because Kraft said obviously like we have seen from this group of people that they're they are fairly religious as a group, um, mm-hmm. but Krasta hasn't necessarily seemed particularly religious. Yeah, hasn't really shown it, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But but I mean, this shows he has, um, you know, at least he's at least semi-religious um, in 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 you know trying to respect the the I guess you'd call them funeral rites. Um, but it's yeah, it's interesting, and it's like I always love stuff like this that just shows you how other cultures deal with death when yeah. it's kind of slipped into narratives. It's always interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's something I have personal experience with as well. The whole idea of um, when someone dies, you open the window and stuff. So it is. I don't know if it's an Irish wide thing, but I don't know why I would have experienced it if it's not. You know, what are the chances that I randomly had one person in my life who believed in that? Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, Franz uh, finds more bodies. So there's more yeah. bodies. Like, so what's your theory about this? Do you think Daniel's done this as well? Yeah. So I think there's no again like they're the leading same... question leading question there. yeah but they've been killed in the same way like there's no blood no sign of violence their eyes are open but they're sort of definitively dead but it looks like that the more i think about it the more it looks like their kind of souls have left their bodies but i think it's in a it's in a very like um it, it within the context of like a computer simulation like the th- mm-hmm. the thing that it that is being pushed into them by the simulation that animates these people has been removed and i think daniel's whatever device it was he used on ada uh, can remove people from this simulation maybe wake them up maybe outright kill them i'm not sure though he doesn't seem he was he was he said remorseful. sorry didn't he yeah he yeah. was remorseful when he killed ada so i he doesn't seem like the kind of person who'd go around just killing people with malice um so i i think these people are the, these are either kind of uh programs within the simulation that that aren't actually aren't actually real people or he has w- woken these people up okay okay interesting um all right so uh yeah, it's a little bit like actually in what you're describing. I'm imagining something like in the Matrix when someone got unplugged and their body yeah. just fell limp. Yeah, kind of like that, but but hopefully not as uh, quite quite as finite. Oh, uh, not finite. Uh, final finite. as the, yeah. Like uh, I don't have I don't have switch being like not like this and then collapsing into a <laughs> like into this. a pile. As, um. <laughs> is Joey Pantoliano in this series or not? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I mean, that would be fantastic. Um. I want to see uh, Keanu Reeves. But anyway, uh, machine... That'd be great. Yeah, so Ike takes Bora down to the engine room, and there is a machine there, which apparently mm. was created to measure steam pressure. The one on yeah. the Kerberos never worked, though. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like a rudimentary circuit board, um, and they look for signs of bodies in the coal engines before Ike finds... Uh, Ike finds... Yeah a scrap of the logbook in one of the mm-hmm. one of the engines and conceals it as a total aside here so i mean we'll cu- we'll probably come back to this machine a bit later because it plays a pretty crucial part yeah. in the end of the episode um but just if i say it that looks like a circuit board to me but like a really really fun like rudimentary one which again mm-hmm. i think might be a bit of a red herring because the complexity of this simulation if it is a, a simulation means that it's probably a lot more advanced than that stuff um but as a total aside one thing i noticed and this might be me being completely wrong but their lamps kind of look like electric lamps as well like they don't look like gas lamps to me like there's no flickering uh and the light is is a very pure kind of almost white light as opposed to like the the sort of warmer glow of oil burning so yeah that's you come are you coming at the props department here conrad are you coming for them if this is if this is them making oil lamps, 
I'm listen. We, I, me and the props department for the for these two people have had a run in over the torches never being explained in dark, and I'm I'm here again to say you didn't explain the future torches, and now are we to believe that this is an oil lamp? So yeah. yeah. Baron Yoncha, fire your torch, guys. Right? Because yeah. the thing is, I imagine them all gathered around at the end of the film and day and said, costume, dead on. Yeah. Score, score, dead on. Sets, fantastic. Props, come into my office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we filmed the whole show and no one noticed. They just had torches. Um, yeah. I mean, it might, maybe it's just a, a, a production thing, but I saw those and I was like, that's not, that's not a little lamp. fair enough uh okay um a bit of a a bit of uh what do you call it um confirmation bias here i think as well Um, okay so uh we find out now this is the thing i want to hear what your thoughts are on because this is something that you definitely um well obviously ling yi returns we'll talk about her in a bit as well because we get into the lucian stuff but lucian um lucian has a letter Mm. now Part of your theory was that only Ike and Mora had letters. Yes. Yeah. So that's clearly. I well, I think by the end of this episode, Mrs. Wilson has shown she has a she has a letter as well. Yeah, so, actually, it's it's literally in two minutes' time when she puts her money that Lucian gave her into the box. Yeah. yeah. So that's me up up shit creek without a paddle on that theory, quite frankly. But I mean, I, I think the the letters have. I wonder if it's that the letters are there to give purpose to the people <coughs> excuse me on the ship like it it's almost like a definition of them as as elements within this simulation to be like it kind of pushes them to explore whatever they've lost so in Mora's case it's her brother and Ike's case it's his it's his daughters something like that and and but because they because the simulation needs them to be undertaking certain actions in order to find out whatever they're trying to find out through it okay okay interesting um yeah so unfortunately connor that is a, that is a wrong one um yeah we we then have uh the little dance from um I don't know why I said little dance that's sort of quite patronizing but the dance <laughs> from from Ling Yi yeah. uh, then that's Lucian now interestingly says no I don't want that when she starts to take off her kimono yeah. um, and then he just wants to be there for a while and then he yeah. goes into a fit on the ground um, yeah. I did also see that he Clemence came in when he was trying to take like it looked like he was trying to take a vial of medicine or something yeah um, and then uh, and then so he didn't get to take that so now he's on the ground and he said it'll only last for a minute or something yeah so I, I assume I mean I'm not I'm obviously I'm not a doctor but I assume he has like epilepsy or something like that and that's um, and that's what's what's caused this mm. it but I mean this is another example like Lucian hasn't come off very well in the first three or first two episodes um, and like Franz, this is another scene that kind of gives him a little bit more, uh, more about not, not an appealing quality, but like it kind of softens him a little bit. You know, he he seems like a little bit of sympathy he, for him now. Yeah, yeah he, he he almost like just wants the companionship yeah. of someone other than his wife, who he clearly doesn't like, um, for a little while. Which is not, I wouldn't call it a positive quality. Because you know, talk to your wife, but also it's it, it makes him more rounded a character than just guy who fancies Japanese women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> Which is you what just, he was yeah. before. You just reminded me of a quote from Julia Donaldson because there was like a new Go documentary on. out about Julia Donaldson, and she's had a 
pretty hard life uh, as apparently most people who are famous have but anyway so she genuinely though but um so but what <laughs> she said she was asked one time uh, about um giving advice on uh, for married couples like you know any marriage advice and her advice was to marry the right person in the first place <laughs> yeah that's good advice that's advice to live by <laughs> yeah, advice to live by yeah. um okay so um awesome so then he's sort of going uh into a fit on the floor um france uh france shows conor mcgregor the new bodies yep. and tells conor mcgregor to you know take control of the ship you're the first mate take control yeah. sebastian refuses to he do does it. Yeah, um, I'm skeptical of this. This seems like, like you know, when you know how the result of a vote is going to go, so you can wash your hands and be like, oh, "My hands are clean on this one." Like, you know, I, <laughs> I, I told them not to do it. It just so happened that everyone on the crew, uh, on the crew and lower decks, was was already like revolting because. Yeah. You know, we saw him send, like, you know, the signal with the machine earlier, which I think directly led to uh, the the mutiny happening. So, I, yeah, I don't trust Conor McGregor as far as I can throw him, quite frankly. Yeah, oh, yeah, so you apparently, obviously, you would obviously think that Conor McGregor is involved in this simulation somehow, then? Yes, I've, I think he's kind of maybe like an anti-Daniel, not explicitly there to counter Daniel, but I think both of them are... Oper- they are operating with knowledge of the situation mm-hmm. they find themselves in. Okay, okay, interesting. Um, Franz does sort of o- just basically inspire a mutiny at this point, full yep. blown. He says, You've been overlooked. And then he says, like, Who will fight? He hands out guns. Tova gets a gun. And yeah, she then... is very pregnant uh, to be handling a firearm. I, w- I would say maybe sit this one out. Yeah, no, but you know, let her do what she, let her do her thing. Um, <laughs> she seems to be out. She seems. To be I'm not going to tell her not to do it. Let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, she'll shoot. Yeah, but Olek, uh, Olek then tries to assume because he's been sort of working with Ike uh, to go and get Ike, and they all sort of jump on him and throw him in a little cell with Jean yeah. to the brig with you. Um, to the brig, yeah. I've been I've been like predicting Jerome and Olek stuff every single in in my pre-show videos pretty much every single uh, week since the first one, and it looks like we're gonna get some Jerome and Olek this episode. So I'm very excited. The original odd couple is what we've got here. Yeah, Olek's trying to get a little odd couple thing going with him and Ling Yi. Not gonna work. Yeah. Uh, oh, what a know. what a threesome that'd be. <laughs> well, threesome in like the non-sexual sense. Is I know, I know, I know. Like, like, like the gru- the gruesome twosome, but three of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, so that that seems to be happening. We'll get back to when they actually uh, com- commit mutiny in a minute. But yeah. Angel uh, draws Cresta. <coughs> Ramiro finds it. Mm. Um, Ramiro basically admits to a few things. Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you. There was a baby stirring during um, the scene when I watched it. I've got some notes here. Just in case I miss anything, what happened in this scene? So, Romero sees the drawing Angel has done of Craster, um, and he kind of goes in a tirade about how Angel has dragged him along with like what is effectively like a fit of passion. Um, mm-hmm. He says he, he killed a priest and is now wearing his clothes. Um, and I think, I mean, he doesn't actually say this, but I get You the- predicted that, by the way. I did. That's their points. <laughs> Cash money is that <laughs> buckets? Uh, like, um, it's yeah, also two, so, two two people in this episode who we found out have killed someone and taken their clothes. 
Yeah, I mean, oh, this, look at this crew and these passengers. There's definitely some murderers on board. That's just... <laughs> but the like idea is... they took their clothes as well, it's like very specific, you know? Yes. So I get the impression that what's being set up here is Ramiro as kind of like a mirror to Craster, like a, a person of the lower sorry, classes. Sorry, Conrad, I was going to wait till after... But the crest has happened too many times now. It's Cresta. Is it it's Cresta? Cre- oh yeah. my god! How have you let me say that so I'm so many sorry, times? Because I, I <laughs> to be honest with you, because I was actually going to put Cresta from Game of Thrones on the screen. The first that's few what times I thought it was. The first few times, the first few times you said it, I was going to just put it up, but then you kept saying, "I was like, listen, I'm not." committed to doing this i'm not gonna do this 70 times in this episode because craster in game of thrones is like a wildling i was like oh maybe that's like that's like a scandinavian name or something because they're all you know they're norwegians and stuff but yeah okay fine craster i'll try and say that correctly for now and i will say this to you conrad if i knew i was going to eventually interrupt you to say this i would have said it the first time but i honestly (laughs) was thinking i'll get a couple of good visual gags out of that but then it went on too long and i can't be sweating by the end of it it was like i can't do this every time so, so right now the listeners are thinking to me right now like they, they've been seething this whole time and yeah. now finally i've broken the, the tension now and they're yeah. gonna be like thank you you've, you've given them the release i'll be back to saying crass the next episode i wouldn't if i wouldn't yeah yeah if you're <laughs> listen, listeners listeners if you're happy with me breaking the tension there the old crass to cresta debate pop in the comments and let us know <laughs> <laughs> should they have called him crasta i think that's a better name uh, does he have a keep exactly how many wives does he have um so but yeah so cresta i think they're setting up ramiro and cresta as kind of two sides of the same coin here so they're they are members of lower social stratas who angel is kind of like dragging along with him through his debauched adventures Mm -hmm. and they invariably end up worse off for it so ramiro has killed a man he's left his home all because presumably he loves angel um who does not love him back but who is very good at kind of convincing people that he has affection for them when in fact he's just infatuated with them um and i think this is the this is the warning for for uh for crap Cresta, there we go. I did it right. I got it right. <laughs> Cresta. I had it written down as Cresta and I had to stop myself. Um, <laughs> this is the warning for Cresta because I, I think Angel thinks he's going to do, and Romero as well. I think they they both are expecting to do the same thing again to Cresta. I think there's more about Cresta than Romero though. I think maybe he's a bit more formidable than either of them give him credit for. Okay. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um. I. I yeah. I, I think I agree with most of the things you said there. The fact that. I don't know. I think I, I understand the emotionality of, uh, of 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 Ramiro here. At the same time, you know, you can't make someone kill someone. So I, 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 no, that's look, true. Uh, you know, so even when we get to the backstory of that, hopefully, the, the maybe we'll change our minds about how we read that scene. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so um, Daniel talks to Mora now. As so, this <clears throat> yeah. is just before the mutiny goes bang, right? So Daniel talks to Mora. Um, and says odd this fog almost as if someone sent it to stop the madman turning the ship around yeah um weird weird that yeah yeah weird that and then mora basically says sticks up for ike and says well he's lost something i can i can understand that and then daniel says i lost something too yeah so um i mean the fog to revisit what i said very uh, like really early on in the episode i think the fog is a part of the simulation kind of defending itself against ike trying to break from his 
designated path, his behavioural path that's expected yeah. of him. Um, I wonder if Daniel is like trying to awaken Mora to the fact she's in a simulation but can't explicitly come out and say it because A, it would sound ridiculous and B, um, maybe it would do irrever- irrevocable damage to someone's brain to be like, everything you're experiencing is fake uh, and you need to wake up from it. Like maybe that kind of, I don't know, there's there's like something to do with consciousness there that your brain can't handle that kind of shock to the consciousness and it needs to be sort of slowly, slowly woken up to the situation or something like that. Um, mm mm-hmm. So that's that's point one. Point two is when he says he lost someone too, I'm still kind of like, is this her brother? Like, does she not remember him? Like, does she even have a brother in reality? Like, it, there's there's a lot of questions about Daniel um, at the moment. And obviously, who has he lost? Lost? Could it be his sister that he's lost and like she doesn't remember him or something? That that would be the kind of line that becomes very poignant further down the line when it's revealed maybe that these two are brother and sister and she doesn't remember him or something like mm-hmm. that okay okay interesting um Ramiro warns Ike that there's a mutiny coming I mean he wasn't mm. fast enough because the mutiny literally comes in behind him yeah to the, to the sound of the killing moon by Echo and the Bunnyman oh yeah I love this song also I, I will say just before we get to the montage there's one big theory that I wanted to mention okay yeah something, cool okay. something Ike's looking at which is the passenger list yeah, um, and Maura Franklin's name's on it. Maura Franklin's name's on it, but there's another name on it as well that isn't highlighted as as much. Okay. Um, the captain of the Prometheus is E. Larson. Yeah. Which I was like, all right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. I think I understand what's going on here. So the passengers, like, I think every ship has the same passengers and is a separate simulation, basically. Like, I think. All of the people who were on the Kerberos were on the Prometheus as well, because um, Ike is like I, I'd be very surprised if E. Larson doesn't. I, have we actually heard Ike's surname? I think we probably have, right? Um, probably it is his last name though. Yeah, I'd be very surprised like, if E. Like Larson you, wasn't like Ike. you know it. You know it's his last name, and I've never told you that, and you don't watch any promotional material, so therefore yeah. you must you must have known that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, if Ike was the captain of the Prometheus and Mora was on the passenger list for the Prometheus, it stands to reason that everyone who's on the Kerberos was also on the Prometheus. Um, which yeah, I'd like if it kind of furthers my belief. That there's that there's some kind of simulation going on here, maybe to put all these people into three places at once. Hmm. But why would he focus just on her name? Would you? Surely, what, he, knows, it... surely he knows other people's names. Like he's the captain of the ship. He would know the logbook of his own ship. So therefore, why is he focusing on the fact that Maura Franklin's name's there? Surely he would recognize all the names around it too. I think he would. I wonder if that's like creative editing, though, just to sort of try mm. and try and like deceive the audience a bit. Um, because you are right. Like I would feel like the first thing you do when you're looking at the front page of a logbook and you see your own name as the captain of a ship that you definitely weren't the captain of would be like, <laughs> well, that seems a little strange. I should like, like make make a mental note of that to revisit. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe maybe they're just try. Maybe that's like them keeping it on the DL to to reward like observant viewers or something rather than something he's not noticing that's my guess because you are right like he should notice yeah. that 
Yeah, he should notice that. But I mean, he should also notice everyone else's names if they are all the same passengers. He, he doesn't should, know he any should... other passengers' names. <laughs> like... Yeah, but he's the captain of the ship. He must have looked at the logbook once and then went, "These are all the same names as the first <laughs> yeah, page yeah, of my logbook." That's true. That is true. But <laughs> I feel like uh, I don't. I don't think Fra- I don't think I could name a single member of his crew or passengers apart from Mora. <laughs> yeah, but like, even Franz, he's just like I don't know. That's the beard, mustache. Beard, that's why he never too. actually. Yeah. That's why he never man-manages him, yeah, because he can't yeah, remember his name. he names. doesn't know their names, and he's worked with them for 10 years, and it's been too long now. He can't ask. Yeah, he can't ask yet, exactly. Um, he's just like over, like listening to their conversations through yeah. the door to see if they say their name. Say the name! Um, yeah. <laughs> so funny. Right, okay, so uh, here's we go. We, we'll, I think this is the first one we'll call a proper montage, because yes. the other ones have just been sort of songs... like. Dark had a lot of montages, which I loved. But these ones, most of the episodes, it seems to, they don't go full, full montage. They just actually have, like, this little a song that comes in the last scene and then goes out, like, takes them into the credits. Whereas yeah. this one, very much, I would say, is a montage. So you have the 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 Killing Moon come on by Echo and the Bunnymen. The mutiny comes in, holds Ike up, uh, basically, to take over the ship. Um, we, we also then have one of my favorite moments of the whole season is when daniel reveals his little device yeah um and then it's literally like one of those games where it's like a puzzle game we have to move everything in the right spot and there's always yeah. there's always only one path you can move things and then um it's like a, almost like a little remote control that turns on the machine now i'm going to assume now this might be wrong but the, the machine that was turned on is was in the prometheus i'm pretty sure yeah it was right yeah. So, 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 but then, the Kerberos disappears with the smoke or with the, yeah. with the steam. With the steam, uh, the fog. What am I talking about? Steam. Uh, the fog. It disappears uh, and goes ploop. And then, interestingly, after it's gone ploop, uh, we get Daniel staring down the camera for the end of the show. So, mm. he he still exists. It's not like he went ploop and now he's gone forever because he's standing on the Kerberos when he does it. And it is plooped, but now he's still there when he's looking at the camera. So yeah. what are your thoughts about the end of this? So I think that, you know, to not to belabor the computer simulation point, but like that to me is him reactivating the simulation that the Prometheus is a part of, like instantiating, you know, the class uh, Prometheus, if you like. And that that is then being pulled into like me- in the memory of the computer that this is all happening in and it is then it like is going off to its own instance of the simulation so while we see the kerberos disappear it's actually the prometheus that is that is that is disappearing and going to go like going into its own simulation um or its own instance of the simulation is what i think is happening um mm. the more confusing thing about this to me is that and you can maybe correct me if i'm wrong here because i might have misinterpreted something but earlier in the episode when uh, the boy comes back from the tunnel under under Mora's bed and sees mm. Daniel. Daniel asks him, "Did you find it?" And I'm fairly sure the boy like shakes his head and like says no. Yeah, well, he doesn't say no, no. He just shakes his well, head. Yeah, he doesn't speak, but but he kind of yeah, he it implies that he hasn't got it because I was or hasn't got whatever he was looking for because I watched this scene and was thinking, oh, is that device the thing that uh, the boy was looking for? And I think where i landed on that was like no i think this is probably the device that he's using to delete people from the simulation or kill them as they're as it's appearing um right now um so i I do wonder what it is that he's actually looking for under the bed but uh but yeah this this is 
probably the best in like in terms of tone and like what what's actually depicted and like the mystery that it puts forward this is probably the best montage of the entire show so far um obviously i'd like i love the song like i do like echo and the bunny men a lot of cool information given and yeah i cannot wait to see to see where this goes from here awesome okay so that's episode three breakdowns complete the next thing we're going to do is to go into the theory Conrad, read them out for us, one by one, please. What new theories have you got this week? Christ, there's so many. Okay, right, so... The commands input by Conor McGregor start the mutiny. That's one. This this is a big one. This is only six words, but it's probably the big, one of the biggest theories I've ever, I've ever proposed. <laughs> this is actually a computer simulation. <laughs> like, it's a big um, one. Individuals within this situation are either programs running as part of it or are otherwise able to control the simulation through inputs like the one we saw Conor McGregor perform and Daniel Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, Mora has a tunnel under her bed too. The electric sound effect that occasionally plays is these people having a memory or experience uh, stimulated out of their brain by some kind of electric impulse. Henry Singleton is a class inside a computer program that all of this is happening within. (laughs) Daniel has some means of deleting people from the simulation that leaves their bodies like Ada's. Every ship has the same passengers and is a new instance of a simulation. (laughs) Daniel's handheld device does the same thing as Conor McGregor's hidden one, can send commands to the simulation, and his commands to to it reactivate the simulation aboard the Prometheus and remove the Kerberos from that instance. So, quite a lot of theories came out of this. Quite a lot of theories. Oh my goodness. I, I'm loving yeah. the direction your brain's headed in. I'm gonna I'm uh, gonna live or die in the point scoring on this episode, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um it's interesting actually that they that, that screen reveal from the end of episode two uh wasn't shown at all this episode. Yeah. That's true. I, <laughs> I'm really interested to see what that is because it's it's very clearly shown as like a you know, a level above the narrative we're seeing on the ship. Um mm-hmm. But at the point that, with the way my brain is going at the moment, it's like, well, if everything on the ship is a simulation, then there's no reason why literally anything we're seeing couldn't also be a simulation. So it's kind of like the gloves are off in terms of how deep this narrative goes, really. So what the dub this week, um, it's going to be a short one, as most of them are, to be honest with you. The the dub is actually a a higher quality than the dark, the dark dub was. Um, I'm going to be quite honest with you. And when I say higher quality, I don't mean it's actually good. I mean less laugh-out-loud moments um, and more just sort of a general in- incompetence. But uh, so, okay, this is it. The actress who plays Ling Yi in the dub... Now, the, the, most of the time, there's nothing notable about it except for the fact that, of course, it's an American accent, right, as they all are. Mm. When she is going mad at her mum, though there's a it's, it's almost like there's a real like sort of teenage very teenage la thing going on like what okay. are you doing to me oh my god <laughs> from like socal yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's what it sounded like and it just reminded me i think i can't remember who the actress is but on like um saturday night live she does it a lot uh kristen wig she does oh, okay. she does yeah she does it a lot where she's like uh you know you know uh, you want to take the ao5 and go down the street go left you know like this and that's <laughs> literally what she sounded like yelling at her mom but the rest of the nice. time i couldn't really tell but uh that's what the dub gone read. i wonder if uh, if they meant to get like alicia silverstone in clueless playing Lin Yi because that's <laughs> that sounds like what you described there 
that's that. Well, that's that's what I got. That's the energy I got from that, <laughs> that, that from that scene. As I say, most of the rest of the time, no. I think it just also came across like a little too young. Uh, then, but maybe, but maybe actually, that's actually the brief. Like because she's speaking uh, Cantonese to me, I don't actually like you know I can't read too much about how young she is in the tone of her voice. I suppose. Yeah. And maybe that's just the note they got when they were casting the dub. You have to have a young teenager for this. But yeah. But it just to me it was funny, you know. I just, I just found a funny Conrad. That's what it doesn't, se- doesn't seem culturally appropriate. Let's be honest. It's just it's it's just what I thought when I watched it, Conrad. Okay, so we'll now sort of uh, quickly move in to Conrad's post pre thoughts or whatever they're called. Hello there. Uh, wow, what an episode that was. Um, I've got lots of thoughts that we've probably just gone through in the main episode, so I'm going to keep this quite brief. Um, but I will say programming stuff i can kind of do that sort of what i do for a job so i i can i can understand bits and pieces of this and uh yeah it's fascinating can't wait to see where they go with that i i think i'm expecting to see more programming concepts thrown out as the show starts to reveal itself and um yeah the character drama it's really just a kind of lucky dip of which characters you're going to get in each episode now, but they're all good. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy whoever the the focal characters are in the next episode. But that's probably one of the most interesting episodes so far. Um, yeah, can't wait for the next one, and I will see you all next week. Well, Conrad, that's episode three, all wrapped up. Uh, final thoughts before we move into the, the next one? Um, it's all going Pete Tong here, to be, <laughs> to be honest. That's my, that's my stance. Uh, if it is a simulation, it's not a good one, and I feel sorry for all these people. And if it isn't a simulation, I've, I've fucked it in this episode. <laughs> yeah, if you've thrown your theory matrix down yeah. the drain here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there we go, guys. Uh, I, I've never actually teased this before, but I am going to tease it now. Whenever Ema and I were watching the uh, the show for the first time, we actually recorded five or ten minutes of our initial thoughts uh, after each episode. So after we finish with Conrad, um, uh, we we might be putting them up on the channel as well. So just something oh, nice. to look forward to. There might be extra stuff. You've never seen me go through one of these creators' shows, you know, first time before. So maybe this time. Anyway, uh, catch you in the next one. Subscribe and goodbye. Goodbye.